ಜೀವನಂ ಕವಿಭಿರೀರಿತ ಕಲ್ಮಶಾಪಹಂ ಸ್ರವಣಮಂಗಲಂ ಶ್ರೀಮದಾತ ಭುವಿ ಗೃಹಂತೂರಿಜನ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ವಿ ಎಂಡೆಡ್ ಅವರ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕಶನ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಐಡಿಯಾ ಆಫ್ ಅಭ್ಯಾಸ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವೈರಾಗ್ಯ as has been spoken of in the yoga sutra which with the help of an example sri ramakrishna is exemplifying in his words we will read those words with which we ended our class in the last week that the god's name the context of this words is the god's name is the thing which entangles in spiritual realization and liberation but unless we have to certain extent purified ourselves just repeating the god's name may be of no avail so as even in the bible we see that the purity has been given so much of importance in the words of jesus blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god swami vivekananda used to say when he was in the west that if all the scriptures gets destroyed and the religions have to start afresh a new and if somehow this one sentence of jesus somehow retains is remains and he says that's sufficient from that sentence alone all the religions can again evolve what's that blessed to the pure in heart for they shall see god is this purification which has been given so much of importance in all the religious tradition and that purification speaks of purification of the mind in the words of ramakrishna what is saying that the purification has to proceed to certain extent before spiritual contemplation just spiritual contemplation without any endeavor for purification may be of no avail so what sri ramakrishna is saying a fever patient has an excess of the watery element in his system what can quinine do for him unless that is removed so in the olden days when the malaria for the malaria patient we find that as it affects the lymphatic system all the lymph nodes are affected by malaria so there there will be extreme retention of fluid in the entire body so uh, the quinine of course is a medicine for malaria but once one is infected by malaria and already the lymph nodes has got infected and as a result there is a swelling the first thing is the removal of those watery element which is very much required in the uh, old medical system 
that that was the thing which was required first before you treat him with the quinine. So why Sri Ramakrishna is indicating this? That we are already being inflicted by so many desires. All those desires are like the watery element. We are obsessed by those desires. And unless we, to certain extent, have purified our mind through the practice of vairagya, dispassion, detachment, abhyasa won't be of any avail. Vairagya means renunciation, abhyasa means practice. Repetition of God's name, in short, can be entitled as abhyasa. And restraining yourself from the obsessions which we have already developed is vairagya. So this should go hand in hand. The vairagya is of importance as we were indicating even in the last class that if the human personality is compared with a will, then all these desires are like the spikes of the will. And our ego is like the hub of the will. When some of the desires are very prominent in my mind, first, of course, I have to get rid of them. Otherwise, the tranquility of mind cannot ensue. The tranquility of the mind which I need, which is the basic thing for my spiritual practice, cannot ensue, cannot start unless my mind is tranquil. But there are innumerable desires. But not all are vyakta. Not all have finding expression at a time. We know as per the circumstances of life in which we are placed, a particular set of desires may be inflicting me. There are other desires which are hiding. If the situation changes, they may manifest. I don't know what all desires are. So if I have to take care of all the desires one by one, it is almost impossible to think of spiritual liberation. Then what's the way out? Because there are innumerable desires. What's the way out? Take care first of those desires which have manifested. Vyakta Vasana. Try to have restraint to certain extent on those desires. How will it help? As so many times we have mentioned that we can develop our willpower just the way we can develop our muscles. How we develop our muscles? We go to the gym, we work against the wet to develop our muscles with the idea that most probably the wets, working against the wet helps to build our muscle. Actually, it's just the opposite. When you are working against the wet, your muscle cells are getting ruptured. They are getting damaged. It's not their building. It's only when, when you are resting, those ruptured muscle cells again starts reproducing so that the muscle cells are regenerated. And when it is reproducing, now there's a brain in each and every cell. That brain is giving the feedback that these are the portions of the body which are used more nowadays. If you just reproduce the exact amount as it was previously, you cannot bear the stress uh, because it's being used more. So that feedback actually entails the more number of division of cells and that's how the muscle develops. So it's actually the negative feedback 
from the damaging of the cells that actually helps in building the muscles. The same thing happens with the willpower. If I suppose take the vow of fasting, for the first time when I'm doing, I'm fasting. By the noon time, by my lunch time, I'm already hungry. And now most probably I have to fast for the entire night. And I feel it's almost impossible. But if I have patience, if I somehow delay, try to delay my gratification, if I somehow to restrain, that I ignore the pangs of hunger, those who fast, they all know. In one or two hours, suddenly you will find the pangs of hunger is gone. By late afternoon, the pangs of hunger is gone. And then you can continue with your fasting quite easily, almost throughout the night or till late night. And actually it gives you a sense of lightness. What has happened? Why does the pang of hunger doesn't continue? Because here also the same feedback mechanism works. All the pangs of, the pangs of hunger is actually a biological alarm which impels you that in the form of the pangs, it is impelling you. It's time for food. You take food. If you ignore the alarm, biological alarm, it gets tired. After some times, it gets tired. It stops. Now it won't disturb you for another few hours. It won't disturb you. And you can continue with your fasting. So this speaks of developing the willpower. We have an idea that we have to constantly fight with all our impulses. It's not the fact. Yes, we have to fight for some time. After some time, the body will get the message. There is no, there is, there is, there is, this person is not going to yield. In no way he can be provoked. So the body is not going to disturb you anymore. Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel in some other place gives a very nice example. He says that suppose there is a river with a bend. A stream is uh, coming down the mountains and it uh, breaks into two streams. So that's, that's how the bend of the river has been formed. That one stream coming down and bifurcates. So now if by a boat, if you start from one of the legs of that U structure of the river, one of the legs you start, for some time you have to exert a lot. You have to row your boat with full strength till you reach the bend. When you reach the bend, after that, you get in the, the favorable flow is, you get the advantage of the favorable flow. Now you just held the row to keep your direction. In one hand, in another hand, you can enjoy tobacco. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. It means you're totally relaxed. It's no more tormenting you. So once you have reached the bend, so all these struggle becomes something like a flow, spontaneous. It's I don't have to exert anymore. So that's what is required and that's what is vairagya. And that when you have reached that flow, now your mind is calm. You're not fighting with them anymore. And now you can continue with the abhyasa. And that abhyasa is important. What you are doing, you are contemplating on the divine. If you are a jnani, you are contemplating on your real nature. Both has the same effect. When I'm contemplating on the divine, what's the idea? Who is contemplating? Is it this limited body-mind complex? No. I know I am eternal. My Lord is eternal. And my relationship with the Lord is eternal. 
So this is eternal companionship with the divine. So this, the moment I call on God, if I'm doing it, not with any selfish motivation, oh, give me some more money or give me with health or give me peace in this life and all those things that speak of just relating to your body-mind complex alone. That may be helping in this life to a certain extent. In spiritual sense, it is not going to help you in any way. This worship should always be this worship the spirit by the spirit is the word of Jesus. The same idea is true for any religious tradition. All the Gayatri mantras speak the, the meaning of the Gayatri mantra. If I have to just translate all the Gayatri mantras in one line, it's the words of the Jesus. Worship the spirit by the spirit. What happens then? You're negating your limited psychophysical existence. That this limited I, the hub of your will, that you are negating, that has been constantly hammered. So through Vairagya, I have tranquilled my mind by getting rid of those few desires that were manifested. But there are other innumerable desires. I cannot get rid of them one by one, for they have to be manifested and then I have to take care of them. So many avyakta vasanas are there. How to take care of them? You have to get rid of the hub itself. So after this Vairagya, you have removed the excess watery element. Now you take the quinine. God's name is the quinine. You take it and that will entail in the hammering out of the hub, the ego, in the ego to which all the spikes are connected. Once you remove the hub, all the spikes along with the will collapses together, rendering you freedom. This All this texture which the mind has formed by these innumerable desires in the process of evolution, all falls off at a time, rendering you free. So that's why in the last class, we, were, we mentioned that the words of Ramakrishna are so simple. We read and we think we have understood, but we miss the point because a Tremendous subtle philosophy. There's a lot of philosophy is actually encrypted in just those two sentences. Now you find this sentence becomes so meaningful. A fever patient has an excess of watery element in his system. What can quinine do for him unless that is removed? Now let us proceed to the words of Ramakrishna. What he speaks next. Why shouldn't one realize God while living in the world. But as I said, one must live in holy company, pray to God, weeping for his grace, and now and then go into solitude. Unless the plants on a footpath are protected at first by fences, they are destroyed by cattle. So at the beginning, the fencing is required. In the bhakti scripture, they speak of two types of bhakti. Sadhana bhakti, sadhya bhakti. What is sadhana bhakti and sadhya bhakti? In the words of Ramakrishna, in a simple way, in some other place, but in, with the help of nice simile, he has explained the sadhana bhakti and sadhya bhakti. What is saying? That in a very hot, sultry weather, very humid weather, it is so stuffy, so to ease yourself, what do you do? We use a hand fan to get rid of that stuffiness. 
you are using the hand fan and suddenly the southern breeze starts blowing and what happens the hand fan falls off there's no need for it so now you will understand what is sadhana bhakti and sadhya bhakti that as long as you are fanning yourself that effort is required sadhana you are endeavoring and that has become spontaneous when that's now this is southern breeze has started blowing so that the breeze which you were creating through effort now has become spontaneous so there is no need of the fan it falls off so at the beginning all those things which are bound to become spontaneous it's not that that i i won't be in need of holy company when i realize ramakrishna after realization is to shout at the top of his voice from the top of the temple that oh the devotees where are you it is he still hankers the holy company but that hankering is a spontaneous thing it's not that it cannot stay without it he always have to he's it's not that after realization is not praying that has become spontaneous in his if seen his life being a realized soul he is constantly praying always taking the name of the lord god seeking company those things doesn't fall off but what it uh, indicates here that they become spontaneous they become like the southern breeze there is no more effort required at the beginning you have to have that effort it has to be a sadhana at the beginning to become it becomes spontaneous through that practice and then you need not have any fear it is not that you will be practicing you will this that you have to follow the practice the practice will as if follow you that you cannot stay without it they become the part and parcel of your life your total uh, personality gets overhauled you will become a total transformed person all those practices become the nervous association as swami vivekananda used to say that it's no more something which i have to practice willfully they just become my reflex i cannot uh, stay without them and that's why this in the last class i don't know whether we have indicated that there is a famous statement of swami vivekananda that it is good to be born in a church but it is horrible to die there it's the same idea what is good to be born in a church means at the beginning we need some fencing in the form of all those willful practices prayers holy company so now and then going into solitude all those we have to do willfully and when you have got established then there is no need even to go to the church even your own house will become the church because wherever you may be that your practice has become spontaneous that's why a very nice sentence is there in our literature they say tirthi kurvanti sadhav we have an idea that tirtha the holy place is full of that holy vibration how it this vibration happened is it it is not that the vibrations were there and we go and resort to it how the vibrations actually that place has become full of this uh, holy vibrations for ages together people were going to that place for that purpose for practicing spirituality so it is tirthi kurvanti sadhav all the sadhakas have converted that place into a tirtha by their assiduous spiritual practice so and then when you go there you find spirituality something spontaneous as is spontaneous 
the wonderful that uh, the atmosphere of spirituality has been created whoever goes there automatically can avail it can access it as if so how it has happened through practice so that's the thing first that practice is the hedge which we need to protect ourselves and when the practice has become spontaneous now it has started giving fruit a plant gives starts giving fruit only when it has grown if the plant has not started giving fruit it means it is still a sapling it has not grown it still needs to be hedged it needs to to be protected so that's the idea which we find sri ramakrishna is indicating that why shouldn't one realize god while living in this world it is possible but as i said one must live in holy company pray to god weeping for his grace and now and then go into solitude unless the plants on a footpath are protected at first by fences they are destroyed by cattle so how nicely sadhana bhakti and sadhya bhakti is being described by this one line unless the plants on a footpath are protected at first by fences they are destroyed by cattle the neighbor then householders too will have the vision of god won't they master everybody will surely be liberated so liberation freedom is our birth right there is no one who is going to have that eternal damnation no all are going to be liberated it's a wonderful idea we find in this vedanta all are going to be liberated all those going to heaven and hell are temporary as per our limited karma all those results are also limited because of our bad karma we may have to suffer for some time for good we of course will enjoy in higher planes but that's limited that will again bring us back to this world and again as a human being we will have chance for the spiritual this liberation till that happens this going and coming will go on we cannot stop that but that's all temporary the ultimate thing is all will be liberated freedom is our birthright so this is the thing which sri ramakrishna is indicating but the next thing what he is saying is very important what is that that everyone will be liberated but one should follow the instructions of the guru if one follows a devious path one will suffer in trying to retrace one's steps means all are bound to be liberated but the timing is something which depends on our endeavor if we are sincere if we follow the path of the one who are already liberated the guru who is already spiritually enlightened we can accelerate the process otherwise through experiences of life through all sufferings at last the renunciation is bound to come because the plan of the universe is such if you go headlong to enjoy it at last we are going to get kicks and sufferings we are going to get suffering we are going to get kicks today or tomorrow we have to turn around there cannot be any happiness in the world however we may try it will lead to more and more obsessions complications 
and we will find everything is becoming more complex. The all that the, the way we just take that all the human relationships is going to give me happiness. Just see the world. Nowhere. The relations, wealth, nothing can give us happiness. At last, we have to turn around. That the, again, the story of the Bible, which we relate so many times, the story of the prodigal child is so important. What's the story of the prodigal child? That a rich man had two sons. The elder son was obedient. He's a devotee. He's obedient. The younger was the one who wanted that what you to be freed from the uh, guidance of the father. He wanted to live a free life. So he claimed to his father that give the share of my property that both of that my elder brother and me both inherit what you have. Give me my share. I want to live an independent life. The father at, was not willing because he knew that he is not that mature. But as he was insisting, at last the property was divided and this young boy left. He was leading his own free life. But as it was uh, inferred by the father, as anticipated, that's what happened. As he was not a responsible child, in short time, he wasted all his money, his own share. He became a pauper and now he didn't know what to do. So as there was no way out, there is no other way to sustain himself. There is no way. So again, the thought of father came. But with that, with that the, the fear came. And that's just the way at the beginning, we think God is there with a rod in his hand to punish us. That's the initial state of all the spiritual, uh, uh, what you say, the practitioners. They relate to God with fear. Just the way this young boy was thinking. Most probably God is there to punish us. But as there is no other way, he started moving towards the village where his father stayed. From a distance, the father show, uh, saw the son coming back. And that's how poetically described in the Bible. It is a father who ran, ran and ran and embraced the child, brought him back. And there was a huge feast to celebrate the homecoming of the child. So this speaks everyone will be liberated. We have to turn around. We just have to turn around. Rest all is God's work. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, you just move one step, God will come running hundred steps. That's the same story, the same idea. It is you have to just turn around. That's why Gopala is the one who is, you will find, is crawling with one hand extended. It is we who go with extended hand to God. But when I go to Gopala, we find it's just the opposite. It's the God who has hand is extended. The idea is he is eternally waiting. He is asking for our love. Just turn around. It is he who will come running. So everyone will be liberated. But when we turn around, that depends. That's the time. Some may take more time. Some may just have that awakening with early and resort to some uh, tradition, the guru, those who have followed and already have turned around and got liberation. They have to, that will help them. Otherwise, he will be simply 
just going, what you say that getting blows after blows till that awakening comes, that there is no way out. So everyone will be this liberated. But when we follow the instructions of the Guru, why? That as a human being, we have some uniqueness. That let us try to understand what's the uniqueness of the human being. So we have the faculty, no other creature has this faculty. And this faculty has actually resulted in all types of knowledge. What's that faculty? The faculty of dual representation. Dual representation. No other creature has. What? To understand this dual representation, unique faculty. Suppose a small child is playing in the backyard of his own house. And the father just goes there to see what his son is doing. And he finds that his son is playing with the branch of a tree. And the father approaches the son. And the son suddenly picks up the stick and says, don't come near. I am having a sword in my hand. It's just a childish game. But it speaks of a tremendous evolution. There is no other creature who can think a branch of tree as a sword. This is dual representation. From this, our language has developed. Just seeing a thing, the language is a dual representation. I am just representing the thing with the language. Mathematical notations. Everything speaks of this dual notation. And how it has helped? In a very short way. Just suppose a chimpanzee falls in a quick, this quicksand and it dies there. And then we find the chimpanzee's son, his grandson, everyone falls on the quicksand and dies. But how the dual representation has helped us as a human being, this dual representation has helped us to retain the knowledge in the form of script, in the form of notations. So there's need of only one sign board that don't proceed. There is a quicksand. That is sufficient. We don't have to do the same mistake again and again. So this speaks, this actually speaks of the entire process of evolution. The biological evolution, if you see the way the child evolves in just nine months in the mother's womb, the child to take the shape of a human being, it takes just nine months. It starts from a single cell. In nine months, it becomes a human being. And very interesting, you will find all the steps of evolution has followed there. At some step, we started from a single cellular organization, organism. We were like fish. We had gills. We had tails. We had two chambered heart. It became three. It became four. All this thing means speaks of the retracing of the entire process of evolution. That why we are the most evolved creature. Because this is one way of seeing the evolution. That because we have retraced the entire process of evolution in a very short time, in nine months. What took millions of years in nature to happen, that happens in the mother's womb in nine months. It's called the theory of recapitulation. Ontogeny repeats phylogeny. The present generation ontogeny repeats phylogeny. All the predecessors, what they have uh, what the way they have evolved, I follow all the steps. It's just like owning the computer. You know, it's called booting up. One software uh, 
what is it triggers the another that triggers the another that's why the computer takes or laptop takes some time to get on it's not just like owning the light you just switch on it gets it just immediately gets on in computer you will find it takes some time it's called booting the way you have uh, uploaded all the softwares one will be booting the other the other will be booting that's how it happened the entire process of evolution speaks of this booting up when the child is in the mother's womb one after the other the entire process of evolution the way it has happened is booting up for human being even after birth the intellectual evolution follows that's our characteristic because of this dual representation just see for hundreds of year the science has developed what newton discovered what einstein discovered what all the scientists have discovered it took hundreds of year as a student when i go to the school just in 12 years in 12 years you learn what the scientists have discovered and invented for hundreds of years so you find the same recapitulation is happening even after birth because of our intellectual evolution and now you will understand the words of ramakrishna that why one should follow the instructions of guru because they have already followed the path and you if i just follow them it's again recapitulation which the spiritual tradition took most probably a long time but as i resort to that tradition it can happen in a very short time just the way uh, the recapitulation speaks of the entire evolution for millions years happens in 9 months our intellectual evolution we find has happened in 12 years which has took uh, taken in uh, our this so called in the world for hundreds of years similarly the spiritual evolution happens in the same way when we follow the instructions of the guru the entire tradition is just in front of us experimented documented we just have to have faith and follow it and then what happens the entire process gets accelerated without that there is there is a very interesting this is a very significant statement that all will be liberated even without following the religious tradition the the all the so called sufferings of life at last is bound to bring us to the spiritual tradition but why to wait for that as in english that called this uh, very oft quoted uh, uh, this passage is uh, what that wise learn through precepts fool learn through experiences why should be a fool to learn through the experiences and just waste our time why not learn through the precepts so now just see that what sri ramakrishna is saying that when he says that everybody is will be surely liberated immediately we shouldn't have that sense of complacency oh if all are liberated then what's the need of spiritual practice let me just enjoy the life that liberation is after all waiting for me so that's why the next sentence is important but one should follow the instructions of the guru why to waste your time this through by getting all those uh, this kicks from the life at last to turn around why not follow the instructions of the guru if one follows a devious path one will suffer in trying to retrace one step again he has to come back the steps which he has followed to go away from his father he have to retrace again the farther you go the farther you have to retrace back till you are in the vicinity of the father so that's the thing which sri ramakrishna in so simple words is saying so that's there's the importance of these traditions with shraddha if i can if i am so blessed 
to find the efficacy of it and with respect <coughs> start my journey quite early in my life it is i who am going to get benefited my entire journey will be accelerated it takes a long time to achieve liberation a man may fail to obtain it in this life <clears throat> perhaps he will realize god only after many births sages like janaka performed worldly duties they performed them bearing god in their minds as a dancing girl dances keeping jars and trays on her head haven't you seen how the women in the northwest india walk talking and laughing while carrying water pitchers on their heads so you have to follow the tradition and that too all cannot think of resorting to the spiritual practices exclusively we have our own entanglements in spite of all those family entanglements still spirituality can be practiced and that's the art that if you find that you are still being bound by the responsibilities don't despair that's the word of hope sri ramakrishna is saying that don't think that all the problems be solved and then i will resort to spirituality i cannot resort to spirituality now if you have got the scope to have some exclusive spiritual practice well and good but all may not get that scope we are in such situation that that uh, immediately we can never think of that exclusive spiritual practice then is there no way out there is a way out that's the art which sri ramakrishna is speaking that if you, we can keep our mind fixed on god while doing other things the practice of the presence of divine in our day to day life in all the activities why he is saying all those things because when avatar comes when the divine incarnation comes he gives hope to all he never say that for you there is no scope in whatever situation of life we may be there is hope there is a way out it depends on how you uh, that's what's your yearning if you really have a yearning even in that situation it is possible it's actually not the external circumstances it's the inner feeling which is more important if you find that the situation is such you cannot come out of it then he's saying that why not keep a part of your mind in god it's not easy but through practice it is possible and for that he is giving the example just see that for is it possible for any of us it is just to keep the jar on our head even when no one is talking to us if i am a novice if i keep two three jars it is going to fall because i haven't yet practiced but once you have practiced now you can just walk you can talk a part of your mind is always keeping the balance it's not going to fall so what he's saying that sri ramakrishna once went to the circus and there he saw a lady standing on the back of a horse in one leg and the horse is wheeling around the arena not only that now and then the horse was jumping but uh, uh, was uh, the horse was uh, uh, sorry the horse was running and there were some rings 
the lady was jumping through the ring and again falling on the back of the ground and maintaining her balance. That's what Sri Ramakrishna saw. And immediately told that how come you say that spirituality is not possible as a householder? Just see, in such a turmoil, that such a tremendous focus she has, that she there is no chance for her to fall. That she has become an adept in it. If in the physical world it is possible, why not in the spiritual world? Just as we think it is impossible, so it is impossible. If you think it is possible, it is possible. That the, all the circus feats would have been impossible if they thought it is impossible. They knew that it is possible and through practice they, ma- they manifested it. And that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna said in spiritual life. Where the question was, is liberation possible as a householder? It is possible. If you should not think that it is impossible, the moment you limit your mind, it is impossible. If you think it is possible, just the way is all these fits these people are doing, just they knew it is possible and practiced and it has happened. Similarly, this is possible. As Tulsidas says very nicely, that in our when we are in our day-to-day life, in our world, dealing with our worldly dealings of life, we have to take care of the responsibilities. We cannot say that I just simply leave off and go. So how nicely he says, Sabse basiye, sabse rasiye, sabka lije naam, haanji haanji karte raho, baithe apna tham. Never forget your tham, your own, this, the nodal point to which you have to hold. Never let go of that. Holding on to that, you just uh, go on mixing with others, go on uh, subscribing to their views as if it's not that really you're doing to avo- to just avoid confrontation. You subscribe to others' view. Haji haji karterao, you're subscribing to others' views. You converse with all. You enjoy as if with others, but always you are aware of your spiritual this dimension. You never forget that. That is possible. As Sri Ramakrishna used to speak of the you know the toothache. He used to say that when you have a toothache, whatever you may be doing, can you forget the toothache? It is always there. Others may not even realize that you are doing your work perfectly. Everything what you are supposed to be doing perfectly. Others even won't realize that you are having the toothache. But can you forget? Though a part of the mind is always there, just experiencing that ache. So God should become our toothache. And that is possible. And that's why he's giving these examples. You see, in the physical world, can you do it? But they can do it. How has that happened? Just by practice, mere practice. As it is a necessity. They have to, in those northwestern part of India, it is the arid, dry area. Just to collect water for the day-to-day need, they have to travel a long distance every day. And that's in one jar of water is not sufficient. They have to carry many jars. How is it possible? So that's why this necessity made the impossible possible. They have practiced one jar after the other. When you keep a lot of load on the head, you can easily carry it. If you just try the same load to carry in your hand, it is impossible. But if you can carry in your head a huge weight, so they will keep this one jar after the other of water because otherwise uh, there is no water there. For long distance they have to walk. 
this necessity and at the same time they shouldn't uh, uh, be just uh, renouncing the happiness of the life so they are all walking together gossiping ma- making merry everything is going on but a part of the mind is still there they don't miss the balance they won't fall at all so if it is possible why it is not possible to keep a part of the mind in god as simple as that that's the thing is asking when we say that in our day to day life it is not possible the simple example with that sri ramakrishna is saying that if this is possible why that is not possible so perhaps that what is say that they performed them bearing god in their minds as a dancing girl dances keeping jars or trays on her head haven't you seen how the women in northwest india walk talking and laughing while carrying water pitchers on their heads neighbor just you just refer to the instructions of the guru how shall we find him so that's again a pertinent question that how to find a guru so master anyone and everyone cannot be a guru a huge timber floats on the water and can carry animals as well but a piece of worthless wood sinks if a man sits on it but a piece of worthless wood sinks if a man sits on it and drowns him therefore in every age god incarnates himself as the guru to teach humanity sachidananda alone is the guru so here what sri ramakrishna is saying is something very interesting that in our spiritual life through our spiritual endeavor even we may get liberated but that doesn't entail that all liberated souls are guru some are liberated and just they are satisfied with their own liberation is they are liberated they are satisfied with their liberation but they cannot become like a huge conveyance like a huge ship carrying many many passengers that's why the idea you know that in buddhi in buddhism this one of the sects is mahayana buddhism what that mahayana means the great vehicle what happened after the death of buddha the mainstream of buddhism was theravada buddhism in that the liberation was the nirvana was uh, highlighted ext- so much that it appeared that my liberation alone is the be all and end all of my spiritual practice in short time the idea which developed among others is that but see the life of buddha after liberation he came down it is not only pragya not the knowledge but karuna the compassion that made him come down and not only that the idea of this bodhisattva what is a bodhisattva develops from buddha the buddha is a bodhisattva and there will there should be other bodhisattvas who just not only thinks of his own liberation he has the compassion enough to come down and become a mahayana a great vehicle to carry others along with him so who can be a guru guru the who has pragya pragya of course any liberated soul has pragya but along with that a karuna which makes him large hearted as sri ramakrishna used to say a very nice story the three friends were walking down the street and they saw a wall a very means a tall wall 
and they were curious to know what's on the other side of the wall. They managed to get a ladder. They kept the, they kept the ladder on the wall and one of the friends got up to see what's there on the other side. And when he was on the top of the wall, he became very ecstatic. He was just having a laugh. He was just laughing and uh, felt a just uh, anyone can just feel that he was in ecstasy. The other two friends were curious. They were shouting, "What do you see that make you so ecstatic, so jubilant?" But he was so much uh, engaged with what was going on the other side. He even never cared to respond, even to reply. He was simply overwhelmed by the joy which was going, the merriment which was going on the other side, and he jumped. So naturally, of these two, they were curious to know that what made him so jubilant, so ecstatic. So the second one also got up, and he also made the same fit. Once he got up, he even couldn't resist to jump on the other side. He couldn't even. Uh, just wait for some time to relate to the other friend that what's going on on the other side. He simply jumped. So now there was no other way. The third one had to go up, and he also felt like jumping. But then the thought came: if I jump, no one will be there to relate what's going on on the other side. So this entails in Karuna, the compassion. He comes down to relate to the world what is going on on the other side. And he's the guru, so that's the that all cannot become guru. That's why you will find that how these words. That's why we tell that words of Sri Ramakrishna are simple, but actually it speaks of a gamut of religious tradition. Just in Buddhism, you find that the idea of personal liberation that evolved into the idea of this karuna, compassion. Then you become a big vehicle. It's not only your liberation. You think of others. This atmana mukshartham jagat hitayacha, and as as a human being, we all tend uh, to be just absorbed in our own liberation. It is God who has to again and again incarnate to take care of the entire humanity by showing them the path which is followed by millions through millennium. That's what we find is that all the, all the religious tradition millions are following through millenniums, not only just for two or three years. That's the path they have. So they are the one who had compassion. That's why Guru is called the one who has ahaytuki kripa. There is no reason for his compassion. That there is no uh, personal interest. That in our life we find that whenever we are trying, we are doing. Something for other. The question comes: There must be some uh, this uh, hidden personal interest. So this word ahituki means there is no interest as such. He is liberated. He has no as such any desires. Then why he comes down? Out of compassion, and that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that everyone cannot be guru. A huge timber floats on the water and can carry animals as well. But a piece of worthless wood sinks. It itself can float, but something if it's on it, it will sink. So that's what the this difference between an ordinary liberated soul and a and the guru or the bodhisattva, that the one who has developed that compassion, he develops that capacity to take along with him the entire humanity as such. So 
that's the idea sri ramakrishna that along with pragya that karuna should also develop what is knowledge and what is the nature of this ego god alone is the doer and none else that is knowledge i am not the doer i am a mere instrument in his hand therefore i say o oh mother thou art the operator and i am the machine thou art the indweller and i am the house thou art the driver and i am the carriage i move as thou movest me i do as thou makest me do i speak as thou makest me speak not i not i but thou but thou so now we may feel that the words of ramakrishna is bit incongruous as if after speaking of the guru as the one who can take along with him the entire humanity is speaking of becoming totally egoless humble speaking of the after speaking of the tremendous strength how can again just suddenly speaking of that humility how you can relate now when i think of the tremendous strength and avatar we sometimes think that we have to become something to give an example after the passing away of swami vivekananda when swami premananda another direct disciple of ramakrishna was the manager of belurmat so he is to look after the the novice all the novices so one of the novices one day being inspired by life of swami vivekananda swami brahmananda he just told they are so great isn't it that we also have to become as great as them like that that's what should be our inspiration and premananda's answer was very significant that you won't have to become something become nothing so that god can work through you so now you will understand that the strength from where it comes it is not your strength the more you become humble the more the ego falls off it is the god who starts working through you god has incarnated through you because you have totally eradicated your ego and then the same person who appears to be fragile weak becomes as if inhuman through him so much of work can be done as we find swami ramakrishna and another direct disciple of ramakrishna he founded all the centers in south india many centers a stupendous amount of work he did in a very short time and when someone is to ask when is to say that swami ji what a tremendous amount of work you have done how was it possible and he was to, he used to say very nicely does the pen ever say i have written so many books it is the author who is holding the pen i am just the pen there is someone who is the author who is holding me so that that's the idea which speaks of the strength of the guru that he has totally eradicated his ego he is himself free and now it is the god who has made him his instrument who is working through him so that's the only thing in spiritual life we have to do to cleanse our ego there is a wonderful story uh in vaishnava tradition that one day radha was with krishna radha just asked krishna was uh repenting that see that how unfortunate we are even that your inanimate thing your flute that is even uh is is more fortunate than us it always stays with you you have tagged it uh, uh, that uh, in your uh, belt it is always with you it never leaves you but we can be in your comp- in your company 
just for a short time. And then again, there's viraha, again, there's separation. Even that flute is fortunate. It is more fortunate than us. Then Krishna took out the flute and asked Radha to see through the flute. And asked, what is there? Nothing, nothing is there. So then Krishna told, you have to become like the flute. There should be nothing. You have, you have to be like a hollow like the flute. And then only Krishna can play music through our lives. Then only he can blow that flute and the music comes out through our life. And that's the thing he's speaking. The guru is one who has totally removed his ego. That stupendous work which he does in carrying the entire humanity along with him is not he. It's the God who is working through him. He is a mere instrument. So just see the words of Ramakrishna is wonderful. It actually speaks of the subtlety of our, all the religious tradition in simple words. So with this, the second chapter uh, also ends. From Pranakrishna's house, the master went to Colonel Vishwanath's and from there to the Lily Cottage. So from there, so this uh, here ends the second chapter of the Kathamrita of the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. The next class, we will again start a new chapter. So thank you all. Namaskars.